Jeff and Francis have the personality of a roof shingle. Fortunately for us, their guests make them slightly tolerable if they are on mute. This is Above the Fold and Below Your Expectations. And welcome everyone to Above the Fold. Um, we are now in season three and you all have a special treat because this, I believe, is the first episode that finally features both Jeff and myself on the same show. For a while, we were doing it solo. Um, Jeff was interviewing people. I was interviewing people. But finally, Jeff, you and I are together after so much time. Would you say that's necessarily a treat for our audience? I mean, the the learning the learning takes a, <laughs> a steep drop when we get together. It's like the <laughs> IQ of the room just devolves immediately once we start talking together. Well, this is why we always need guests, and we're, I'm happy to announce we have uh, Meredith Golden here with us um, to ideally keep us in line and make sure the learning continues. Let's hope, anyway. Um, you and I can always ruin it. So, Meredith, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, and so on, to get us started? Sure. Well, first, I want to say thank you so much for having me, and I am a dating coach dating expert and a dating app ghostwriter. And I help singles date better and more efficiently. And I love what I do. I guess my first, how, how, how did you get into this? How does one become a dating expert? It's a gift. And <laughs> it's sometimes feels funny to say that this is my gift in life because it's not a typical gift, but this is what I was born to do. This is an area that I excel if someone asked me to create a recipe and cook my kids' dinner from three ingredients in the fridge, I would fail miserably. That is not something I'm good at. <laughs> but if someone gave me the task to go find so-and-so a husband or find so-and-so a wife or set two people up that I thought would be a good match, this is where I succeed. I was doing this for friends for sport ever since my – I think I actually – in junior high, I would set people up. I mean, I'd be like, oh, what do you think of so-and-so? I think you guys, you know, should figure something out. I didn't have the language skills, you know, in seventh grade at 13, but I've evolved <laughs> over the years. And then once when I was in high school, I tried to set up my SAT tutor with my mom. I mean, this is, <laughs> I didn't even know that setting someone up was a thing. It was just like a natural occurrence to me. I raised my hand in front of a classroom of 30 people during a, you know, SAT prep class and said, are you single? And <laughs> everyone went silent. And he's like, uh, yeah, why? I'm like, I think he'd be good for my mom. Um, <laughs> for, for many reasons, probably mostly professional, he <laughs> declined the setup. The irony was at the time my mom was seeing someone, but I didn't think he was good enough. I'll omit his name. And so there I was trying to find <laughs> someone better. Um, but it's something I've always done. And then it evolved into the business because I was getting approached by people who were no longer my friends, no longer in my social circle, and thought I would apply my skills to just the general population and see if anyone was interested. So I posted a website of my business on Facebook. You know, I crafted it, dropped it on there, thought, I'll see what happens. And then within three days, I got 8,700 hits to my new website and was obviously very surprised and shocked. And then the business took off pretty quickly from there. 
Meredith, I've got I've got so many damn questions. Like, first off, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't I don't even want to get into the the dating aspect yet because I've got so many questions about that. Yeah. But just like the entrepreneurial aspect, the fact that you just created something like you didn't you didn't create this page out of like this this five year vision that you had, right? Like, I have to get all this perfect. You just created something and it blew up, right? I envy that so hard. Thank you. But the the funny part about this is there was a piece of me in the process naturally where I thought, oh, I wonder if I should really do this. What if I fail? Which is a common thought. But then I thought, well, you know what? So I fail. What's what's the worst thing scenario? My overhead was low. It was just my time. I figured better to try than to not. And that's how it went. And one of my very close friends, who I joke is my senior advisor in life, and she's amazing, I had her look over the website. And I remember I had our then nanny take a picture of me to put on the website with my you know, phone. And it was the most horrendous picture. And I sent it to my friend saying, hey, what do you think? Can I use this? Am I good to go? Am I ready to launch? And she's like, oh, sweetie, no, you can't put this picture on your website. This isn't professional. And so then I had to go and get a professional picture. So thankfully, I had someone wise in the background guiding me um, before I launched it because I was just so eager to put myself out there once I got over the fear, the fear of failure. And I just wanted to try and help as many people as possible, see what happened. It was really just a whim. I need to do that too. Actually, I need to get a professional photo. The last one I took, I was immensely hungover. And you can, you can see my face is like all puffy and, and red and everything. And unfortunately, I actually used that. I didn't have that. At, I didn't have that life coach person to tell me, oh, please don't put that up in the public. That's up there. You can all see it. Yeah. Uh, everyone should have a best friend like this woman. She's amazing. And truthfully, I go back and I look at the before and the after picture of what I thought for a second was appropriate. And it was beyond not. And it does segue into my job now because I look at pictures all day long on the apps and I see what people are doing. Mm. And it's like, no, that would never sell me. I mean, it was horrible. All right, so Just like break the down for me. Put that up there. It's a terrible picture. But then they have another picture where they look so great, and it's so it's the obvious choice. But people don't know it's the obvious choice if you don't have a second set of eyes. Okay, break it down for me. What exactly you're providing? Because at first I heard consulting, right? And when I think of consulting, I think of somebody is trying to date somebody else, trying try to get a date with them, trying to figure out relationship issues. Um, is that what it is? They come to you with these these questions and you solve them? I have many different packages. So it depends on the level of support that a client needs. So someone might just reach out to me and say, I have a really low match rate. I just need help setting up a profile. And that's all I'll do for them. I'll make sure they have good pictures. If they don't have good pictures, I have photographers in most of the major cities and I will set them up with one of the photographers so that they get a great picture. And then I'll work on the descriptions with them, help them set up so that they present themselves, market themselves to make themselves attractive to other singles. And then we're done. I I don't typically keep in touch with them. I don't hear from them. It's over. A step up from that is giving them the tools, which is directions on how to actually engage while they're on the dating apps. And I'll look at one of their prior apps to figure out where there's room for improvement. And there's often 
a ton of room for improvement. I'll see their profile. I'll see their exchanges. I'll see their openers. I'll see where they're not taking advantage of closing an opportunity. They're not moving something forward or they're engaging with someone for too long. And then the step up from that is everything I just said plus coaching. So beyond helping someone get set up on the app and giving them skills to engage while on the app, I'm also sort of um, on demand, so to speak. While they are texting and writing their messages, they might send me a text. I'm stuck. He hasn't asked me out. What do I do? Try this. Write this. See what happens. Or... I've been engaging with so-and-so. I don't even know what to do with it anymore. It's time to move on. Just delete. Are you sure? I'm positive. Just move on. Go swipe for 15 (laughs) seconds and we'll replace. We'll replenish the supply. I went on a date. Do you want to go out with this person again? Let's assess the date. Let's strategize post-date. Let's figure out how to get a second date, how to get a third date, how to get a fourth date. Oh, that sounds alarming. That's a red flag. That's unhealthy. No, don't go out with him or her again. It's obviously the client's choice, but if I hear that someone had seven drinks in 45 minutes, I'm going to question whether there's an alcohol <laughs> problem. Um, so I'll say, hey, how many drinks did he or she have? Um, something like that. People tend to miss certain things that are obvious when hearing about it in a story, but when someone is smack in the middle of the exchange, it's hard to you know see the whole picture. And then The last package that I offer is everything I just said plus the ghostwriting where I'm going in as the client for the clients with the client's pictures, with the client's data. It's genuinely the client's information. And I say this to emphasize, if Bob comes to me and Bob is a pilot, Bob says that he's a a pilot. Bob cannot sell himself and say that he is a dermatologist or an Uber driver, right? Mm -hmm. He has to do exactly what he says. He has to be authentic. He can't say that he is divorced with no kids, but really still married with three kids. That would never work for me. It's part of my job to make sure that people are honest and put themselves forward in the best light, obviously, but truthful. And then I'm taking their information, whatever stories they've given me, details, whether they ski, snowboard, play tennis, where they vacation, their bucket list vacation, what they're reading, what they're hoping to read, what's their favorite podcast. And those are the details that if I'm interacting with a single and they say, oh, what are you reading? Oh, I'm reading Educated. And the client's reading Educated. Um, And it's really a shallow exchange using their information. And then when it's time to schedule the date, I turn it over to the client. You know, Abby said, yes, she's going to meet you go on the app and schedule. And then they usually take it off the app to sell. They probably have some banter before and then they go meet. How well does that, and I know this is on Jeff's mind too, but how well does that transition happen from when you are ghostwriting to the actual in-person meeting um, from when you're writing about in their personality and so on to when they're actually talking to that person in real life? It's fine because what ends up happening when you sort of date in bulk, Mm -hmm. which is what the dating apps do, you're dating in massive quantities. It's not like you're meeting someone at a bar, you're spending two hours with them, you're engaging with Mm -hmm. them, you're connecting a numbers exchange at the end of the night, you've got a sense of their personality, and then you make a plan for a week later, right? right? And that, you know, you thought you were talking with Oscar on Saturday night, you meet them the following for dinner, but Oscar doesn't show up, Bob does. It's not like that. 
because they're they're connecting on the apps using the client's information and it's so shallow, it's so quick. There are times that the banter has been great. If you talk to your single friends, I was so excited to meet Bob. He was so funny on the app. He was great. And then you show up in person and it's the flat, oh, Bob can really write a funny sentence, but he can't utter or compose a sentence live or let alone make <laughs> eye contact with the waitress. And, you know, he ordered a strawberry daiquiri and I didn't see that coming, right? You don't actually know what someone's going to do. And then there are also exchanges where it's sort of mediocre, but you think, oh, the pictures look good. I don't know. I haven't gone on a date in a while. Why not just put myself out there and see what happens? And then those two people hit it off and the guy's really funny in person or she's really funny in person. So it's really just about seeing if you're connecting on the apps, if there's enough interest to meet in person. But very rarely does someone connect on an app and then go meet and they think that the person's exactly because it shouldn't be exactly because you, you're not talking to someone for six months. I mean, it's it's four days, the trigger is pulled, and then maybe a drink is scheduled or a coffee, you know, a week later. Like you don't know someone, you don't know someone well enough from exchanging, having exchanges with them on the apps to be disappointed or excited one way or the other. Does that make sense? No, it does. It does completely. And I think the fact that you're saying it's a shallow conversation or uh, or simplistic, whatever it might be, is helpful because then it doesn't go that deep. There's no inside jokes at that point. There's nothing, you know, no deep stories, I'm assuming. It is very much like, what movies do you like? I like this book and so on, which is um, is helpful in that getting to know stage. Yes. And you're not really getting acquainted on the apps. You're just figuring out if you want to get acquainted, if you want to take it a step further. But sometimes a client will have a funny conversation about a, a, the time. I'm just trying to obviously I have to disguise the story so that I don't sure. out anyone. But <laughs> you know they met a famous actor, right? And they have yeah. a really funny story about this time that they met this famous actor. I have that written down. It is in their voice. I'm copying and pasting it. Oh, you met Mike Tyson? Yeah. Here's what happened. Paste. <laughs> So I've, I've got a lot of questions here, but the first thing that comes up for me, Meredith, is what if, what happens if a woman starts dating a man, a man that was, that you were consulting and you were ghostwriting for, and then through some turn of events, maybe three months later, after they'd started dating, everything's going very well. Somehow she finds out that the man that she thought she was dating was actually constructed by you like the things that he said he didn't actually say the things that he put in his profile he didn't actually put in his profile you know what i mean like like would there be some sort of distrust that came up at that point if she found out that somebody else was behind the scenes it it would be distrustful if he said that he water skis plays tennis and is an investment banker and then he shows up and has two left feet and doesn't play any sports and is not an investment banker and is really unemployed. That is dishonest. Or if he puts a picture of his much better looking neighbor, right, not himself, dishonest. Um, says he's divorced and has two kids, but really is married with six kids. Dishonest. That's not happening. All he's doing is giving the information and I am organizing it to present himself in in a better 
profile than he probably could have created for himself. People don't know what they're doing, unfortunately. I mean, here and there, I'll see a beautiful profile and I'll be like, oh, who did this? This is great. Good job. You know, this this single really hit it out of the park. But most people don't know. They, they put these awkward pictures. They have sunglasses on. They say inappropriate things. I once saw a profile where the guy literally put a picture of his dying dad as his first oh. profile picture, like in a hospital bed, tubes. It, it was horrible. And you know, poor guy didn't know any better. Um, so no, it's not distrustful. And I have had clients, even though, you know, I prefer that they not tell the other person, but the other person Mm -hmm. was happy that they met someone great. And when you really look at the exchanges, you know, a, again, everything is truthful in the profile to the point that I've had clients want to lie about their age. And I'm like, you need to come clean. You can't say that you're 30 when you're really 45. It doesn't work like that. That is dishonest. Um, And the exchanges, if the client showed the single or, you know, the girlfriend, whoever it is, the exchanges, it's like, oh, the opener, who's your celebrity doppelganger? That wasn't your idea? No. Who cares? They've had three months together where they've had a ton of fun and she knows him. It's, does that make sense? It doesn't, it's so shallow and it's, it's the client's real information. And also, I encourage my clients to go out to date sort of out of their box. And so if the two hit it off, my client probably never would have went out with her in the beginning. It was only because I was there nudging and encouraging him. Hey, she looks great. No, she's too short. She doesn't ski, blah, blah, blah. She's a vegan. Who cares? Just go meet her. You never know. I mean, Jeff, for me, this, this, I, I know maybe I'm different from you, but this sounds like a lot what you do with clients and their <laughs> website or even their blog. Cause you're telling them your site looks like crap yeah, and you should change it because the UX of this is not going to give them the right journey and so on. Yeah. It's not, it's the same thing. Their information, you know more about them. You know what audience they're trying to attract. And um, you're just trying to set them up. Yes, I, mean, I guess that I makes sense. To more user-friendly, a user-friendly experience. So I looked at a client the other day. The description that she used was like, first of all, way too long, way too personal, way too much information. But also it wasn't organized so that someone who's reading it could figure out what to do with it. And I was like, here are five salient points. This is all we need to talk about. Now let's just organize it so that when a guy looks at it, it's easy for him to process. And then he knows I'm going to first start with this topic. Then I'm going to go on to the next topic. Then I'm going to go on to the third. So their conversations are easy, feel good, and most likely he asked her asked her to meet and then they connect in person. I guess the only thing that really came up for me here is how, what level of crafting are we doing like how much are we massaging who they really are we're not massaging you know, but you did are. It's yeah no I'm, I'm i'm getting that yeah 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 i'm 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 getting that now and i think at first i was taken back a little bit i'm like i don't know are you are you creating a scenario that wouldn't happen in normal life and, and maybe it wouldn't um but you're making it happen because we're because we're making it seem a little bit better no, no, no. you know what well, i mean you take me and said hey meredith you know, I have a really low match rate. I would look at your pictures and go, oh, you know you know what? This picture of you shoving a cake into your nose, yeah, that's not a great picture. Let me see what other people I hope that's a real one. Let me see. What <laughs> yeah, she found your Facebook, right? Jeff. That she basically knows what. <laughs> Let me see what other pictures you have. Oh, okay. Of the 40 pictures you sent me, these three are your best. Let's put these three pictures. They're better. They show your face. You're not inhaling food. You don't look hungover. You shaved, right? 
And it's not like you really have this, you know, six foot beard in real life. And then I post a picture of you with no beard. No, it's who you are. And then in terms of the description and, you know, your details, where you went to school, those are factual, what you do for employment. You're not saying you're an astronaut when you're really not. They're all facts that you are just honest about. I would be upset if someone wasn't truthful about that. I I think we're going to need to indulge our audience a little bit here. For those people that are on these dating apps, can you walk us through some things that they would want to hear? Like, what what are the common things that people mess up the most? Um, what are the common things that they should be doing better uh, just so that they can everybody can scramble to look at their phones right now and see what they've got versus what they should have? So one thing that I see often, and it it makes me upset just because it is so ineffective, someone will list in their description, and the description is for them to describe themselves, and the information that they give to describe themselves is so that it's a cheat sheet for the other single and what to, what to ask them about, what to talk about. But sometimes someone will use that description area to say, I'm looking for someone who's funny. I'm looking for someone who's smart. I'm looking for someone loyal and trustworthy. Well, okay, great. Now what's the person supposed to say to you? Oh, you're looking for someone loyal. You're looking for someone trustworthy. You know, that doesn't give you anything to chat about. Um, so that's that's the one of the biggest mistakes I see. Other things that I see, it's just someone will reveal really personal information. You know, I I just got divorced. We're having an ugly custody battle. And it's like, why would you put that out there? You know, all that says to someone is you lack judgment and you have no boundaries. You're going to get deleted right away. Um, I see poor pictures. I see people not putting enough of a description. I see people leaving blank descriptions. And it's unfortunate because the process, dating in general, for most of the population, isn't easy. And there are challenges. And it can feel really, really frustrating and really maddening at times. So for something like this, when you can control what you're doing and you can make it easy for yourself and you can make it easy for the other single and it's not hard to do, this is the time to do that. So that when you are searching and someone sees you, you have more opportunities and it's also easier to engage. And the easier engagements are the ones that convert quickly and feel good, and you're more likely to generate a meet. And that's the whole point of this, to connect on the app and meet in person. I mean, Jeff, it's so amazing because I I hear and I'm imagining so many parallels with conversations you and I have had with clients, like about their website or about their About Us page or about their video. And, you know, hearing Meredith, hearing you talk about all this, I mean, we've said the same things. It's like, you know, why does that video look like that? You're not putting out your best foot forward. Why are you talking about the history and you're about us when you want to talk about the future? Um, It's exactly the same thing about how to engage with your customer, with your audience, but having the conversation start with what you're putting out there. And if you're putting out there something you don't want to, it messes everything up. Well, I didn't want to make any cheap parallels here and say, yeah, this relates back to, but the thing is like, I keep coming back to that and it really does. Like it keep it comes back to what we do. Like you're actually creating content in a way that's going to persuade people and they're going to see you in your very best light. Right. And Meredith, just for a little bit of background, Francis was saying this is similar to what I do, which is search engine optimization. So it's just a matter of like taking a page and making sure that it gets found and it gets found in a way that people actually want to to read it. 
Um, and it was funny. You actually used a uh, <laughs> used a term I use all the time: convert. Like we're talking about business. Yeah, was, <laughs> yeah right. Is that it? That was that's what grabbed yeah. you, huh? Yeah. She said that was uh, the trigger. That was the trigger. <laughs> that was the trigger. Yeah. It said convert people, and all of a sudden you grabbed my ear. I'm like, oh wow, this, this actually kind of does sound like a business type thing. <laughs> kind of, you know, if if you're going to go out on a Saturday night to a bar, aren't you going to brush your teeth? Aren't you going to blow dry your hair? Aren't you going to make sure that your outfit matches? You're not going to go out dirty. Well, if it's me, no. No, but, but, <laughs> but I'm also not looking for a date either. You're so. going to put your you're going to put your best foot forward, right? You're not going to show up smelly, disheveled, with body odor. You're going to put on deodorant. You're going to brush your teeth. You're going to make sure your buttons are appropriately buttoned, not mismatched. <laughs> you're going to make sure your zipper's not open. That you're wearing the same shoe on both feet. I mean, these are basic. <laughs> you want to put your best foot forward. It is the exact same thing on the app. And it, it kind of is, you know, we're drawing parallels from the professional to the personal, but it's 2019 and you're using technology, singles are using technology to date. So you kind of got to treat it like a job. So when you're putting together your resume, you're not going to have typos. You're mm-hmm. going to make sure that it is flawless. And it's the same thing with presenting yourself on a dating app. You have to treat it in some respects like a job. You know, your profile is like a resume. Yeah. A lot of what you're talking about here is like content creation, right? You're putting you're putting out content that's going to capture people's attention and it's going to show you in your best light. But we're getting more and more in the realm of like a lot of these apps like Tinder, right? Um, are moving in the direction of just like visual cues, right? I mean, there's hardly any content to it. What are you doing for that? When there's no, when there's, you've got 150 characters or whatever it is to write a quote unquote profile, which I assume nobody reads, what are you doing with that type of thing? Or do you suggest they don't go on those apps? So people people um, are saying yes, you know, swiping right or harding because of a picture. So it's really the picture that determines whether or not someone wants to advance to the next stage with you. But then it's the description, typically 300 characters or less, where that's what you're having a conversation about. And people do read it because they're like, what do I talk to Bob about? What do I ask Sarah about? Hmm, let me go look at the description. Oh, I see. Sarah plays tennis. I'm going to go ask her how often she plays. Does she play inside? Does she play outside? Does she only play over the summer? Does she play all year round? Does she go to the US Open? There's your topic for conversation. Now, often why someone hires me or one of the reasons someone hires me is, oh, geez, how do I shrink everything about me into 300 characters or less and present myself? And that's where people get tripped up and someone will come to me and I'll say, you know, take my elaborate intake and say, oh, here are the five things that you're interested in. Let's put this forward because these are the five things that make you interesting and the five things that you like to talk about and really describe you. Boom. There you go. It's funny, similar to businesses, like when, when you go and read an about section or you read a homepage and, uh, you've got this client that is so into themselves that they have to describe themselves in 4,000 words and, and no less than that. You know, it's like they have an impossible, impossible job of distill, distilling down the core values of your business or, or you into a short little description. Yeah. But, but the ones that do like to use your word convert, man. I mean, when it's that simple and when that message is that strong, and, and, it, and it resonates, those are the companies that get, I mean, I know you don't like this, but more traffic or more engagement, whatever it might be, um, for a bigger, you know, potential market share. 
I got to warn it, people. It might sound like we're trying to force this, but we really aren't. We're, tr- we're not no. trying to force this into a business conversation. It really is just drawing. <laughs> it really is just drawing normal parallels to it. I mean, it, 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 it kind of makes sense. And I, when it comes down to it, are we really just talking about psychology here? Yeah. I mean, are you going to show up to a business meeting with spinach in your teeth? No. Sometimes. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not a good businessman, nor no, am I a good dater. <laughs> You're learning a lot about yourself here, Jeff. <laughs> I already knew these things. It's just getting rubbed in my face. All right. Wait, but you know, are you? I hope not. But I hope that you're not going to go meet a client. You know, six martinis in. Same thing going on a date. Don't show up completely wasted. Like you know, have some good judgment. But people, they forget these things, and or they don't realize that they're crossing a line, or that it's not appropriate, or. You know, when you're in a meeting with a client, sometimes, and we're all guilty of this, we might say something that, you know, wasn't so appropriate. It was a little too personal. It was a little too intrusive, a little too intrusive. And same thing on dates. You know, someone might sit down across from their date and say, oh, you're, you're how old? Wait, you've never had a boyfriend? You've never had a girlfriend? Why not? Or how long have you been single? Right? They don't mean it. And it's not done maliciously, but it's not necessarily appropriate. And sometimes someone needs to hear from someone, oh, you know what? Maybe instead of doing that, why don't you try saying this next time or or not saying anything, right? Or, uh, you know, have A, B, and C be your three appropriate date questions. Mm-hmm. And so that they don't have to feel stressed out. They probably asked the question that wasn't super appropriate because they were anxious and didn't know what else to ask and sort of blurted it out to fill a silence. But if you've got your three canned go-to either date stories or questions, then when you're on the date, you present well. And same with marketing. You're putting your best foot forward with the chance of getting another date if you want to go out with this person again. I want to indulge our audience a little bit more. I think it's just you. You're indulging yourself, but go continue. Ask your question. I can I can put that heat on my audience, right? <laughs> we do this all the time. We project stuff out. And I don't I don't want to accept responsibility for this. Can you give us a like a horror story of like an absolute F that you turned into an A, without revealing the client? Obviously, maybe just disguise it a little bit. Just just give us a funny story. I mean, it's like a thousand times as high. It happens all the time. People will come to me and they're like, "Oh, I don't match," and I feel bad when I see what they have put out into the dating universe because it's so horrible. (laughs) And then I see who they really are and that they've got better pictures or, you know, one guy said, Mm. um, don't swipe on me if you don't intend to actually talk to me. And I'm like, well, (laughs) hello, that's negative. You know what that says? That says that nobody ever talks to you. When, when they match with you and talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy, that's just going to keep going. Um, people do things. Again, they don't realize. But, you know, or I'll have someone come to me, um, which, again, so obvious. Oh, you had fun? Yeah, I had fun. Oh, did you did you ask her out again? No, I figured she would just reach out to me if she wants. Um, okay, can you just do me a favor and go text her and say, hey, I had a really nice time any chance you're around next week to grab dinner? And then she responds that I'd love to grab dinner. He's like, huh, I don't know why I didn't think of that. Now, again, this person, it's not like they're uneducated. It's not like they're not bright. I mean, these are people who are, you know, top of their industry, but people just forget things. You know, it's, 
I don't know why, but it's sort of like in my personal life, right? Maybe I forget to separate, you know, the darks and the whites in my laundry and then everything turns out pink. We don't always think about things and then we make mistakes. And unfortunately, there are consequences like, you know, all pink sock, but it happens. And that's why people hire me to, you know, have a better experience, to get better results, to be more efficient with their time on the apps. I had a question that I just remembered. What does volume dating mean? Bulk, wait, no, you called it bulk. Bulk dating? Bulk dating. So back in the day, um, you know, 15 years ago, what happened? Or, you know, you were in college before the apps. You went to a bar. Maybe you got the digits from two women, right? And those were your options for the week. Oh, I'm going to reach out to Jane. I'm going to call Blair. going to see, you know – statistically from an average perspective, they both didn't want to go out with you. Not that you're not great, but you know, maybe Jane was just flirting with you because she was bored or trying to make someone jealous or she's nice and just thought you were nice, but there's no chemistry, whatever it was. And then you go out with that one, the, the Blair, right? Not Jane. There's your date for the week. You only got one date. Bulk is you're on the apps and there's so many options. You can access, you know, if you go out on a Saturday night and you go to a bar, maybe you chit chat with one person, exchange numbers with one person. But on the apps, in five minutes, you could probably swipe and match with 600 people if, if you're efficient. <laughs> and of those 600 people, then who do you talk with? Who do you reach out to? And it narrows down, but someone could go out if they had the time and they want to on 30 coffees a week. So that's bulk dating. Ooh, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> well, it can be, but you're not doing it for five years straight. You're sort of concentrating for six weeks, two months to see who you're going to meet. And usually it happens sooner than later. So, so when you get a new client, are you are you vetting them for their intentions? Like, for example, if you get somebody that comes in that purely has bad intentions, like you've got a guy that comes in that's just looking for one thing, you get a woman that's coming in just looking for meals or whatever, do you, do you root that out and then tell them... I- I'm so ethical and so moral, and I do not want anyone to do anything other than with the intent to meet someone, period. Nothing illicit. I mean, I have a user agreement, you know, that states that I represent, not me, but the client represents themselves as who they are. You know, they're not planning on sex trafficking, seeking prostitution, you know, frauding someone for money, none of that. That is not what I'm interested in. And I'd be horrified. You know, no crime is to be committed. These are just two people bumping into each other on an app with the hopes of meeting for a cup of coffee or a drink and then deciding from that 30-minute, 40-minute exchange if they want to go on a real date. Um, I have never had anyone do anything horrible. Um, I have had a client, very small, you know, count on one hand, who went out and met someone and the guy was a creep, but they weren't a dangerous creep, right? They weren't trying to commit a crime. They just maybe made a comment that was homophobic or racist and, or, you know, they had different different political affiliations and it was turned into a heated discussion where the client was like, I'm out, see ya. Mm. Um, that stuff unfortunately happens, but that happens in life, no matter who you meet. If you sit next to someone at a dinner party, unfortunately, things can get heated and you might not like who you're seated next to. 
Yeah, you, you can't control for what's going to happen in the future. The stuff's just going to happen. People are going to happen. That's just life. But no, I, I'm not working with someone who says, hey, can you you know find me someone so I can go roofie them? No, I would never. You know, No, I wouldn't sleep at night. And in fact, I make all my clients when they go on dates or meet someone, they have to text me when they get home so I know that they're safe. And you know, these aren't like some, I mean, I have some 20 year old clients who are like, you know, I have a mom, I don't need you to do this. And I'm like, first of all, I'm not old enough to have a 20 year old, 25 year old daughter. That hurts my feelings a little bit that you think that, but you know, this is a safety for me. And then I get my clients in their forties and fifties. They're like, you realize I'm a grown woman. I'm a grown man. I'm like, I know, I get it. I just want to make sure that you get home and that you're safe. And then of course, because I'm neurotic, I take it 10 steps further and I'm like, don't let him walk you home. Don't give out your last name. Make sure that they don't know where you live and that you're not blah, 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 blah. I don't want someone to do something horrible. Mm. It's so funny, Jeff, because I mean, it. I feel like you have another blog that you can write where it's just comparing your job to dating apps or how people are basically wet. Like the websites are basically like the people you want to date and just taking this like parallel sort of thing really, you know, full on. I feel like you have this. Um and I, I can't wait to see the, t- the headline and whatever you come up with. Did you just assign me a job? <laughs> well, do I work for you now? What is I did. this? I absolutely did. <laughs> I want to read it. I like how you used a little persuasion. I feel like you no. could do this. There's like a little bit yeah. of salesmanship in it. Yeah, thanks. I feel I have the confidence. <laughs> I have the confidence you can do this, Jeff. Um, Meredith, I did want to pivot a little bit because one of the big reasons I reached out was um, – the ghostwriting element, you know, and this goes back to voice and about to talking about, you know, you getting to know someone, getting to know Jeff, getting to know me and being able to kind of ghostwrite for us on these apps. How do you do that? How do you get into your clients' heads? How do you understand them well enough to have that initial conversation? It's really because I have the ramp up process and the intake form. Mm -hmm. So while we're getting everything ready, I'm having so many text exchanges and emails. And I know the difference of whether a client will say, yo, what's up? Or hi, how are you? Or want to grab a coffee or want to get together next week? Question mark. If someone uses capital, if they capitalize and they punctuate in all their sentences, or if they use commas appropriately. Now, if someone doesn't. That would be me. but, but that's sort of where I get the, the details. Um, but even if here and there something is missed, it still doesn't really matter because Amy isn't going to meet Jeff. And then after they start dating, say, hey, Jeff, you use a lot of commas on him. But finally, I noticed that your comma use has really dropped off. You don't notice it. Um, so, and it's the intake form, again, where I have all these stories about the client and I'm sort of you know copying and pasting. But, but – I also know if a client is one to chat a lot and tell a story and, you know, be long-winded, right? So if I'm that client, I'm a little bit long-winded on the apps. I'm not so long-winded that it's deterring them from moving the conversation forward and getting them disqualified. But I know if they're going to tell a story for five minutes or if they're going to be succinct and make it 30 seconds, if that makes sense. Makes complete sense. So how... How long, I mean, just, in, I know there's an intake form and there's text messages and conversations, but in total, how long um, d- does this take? How long does this, does the research take on your end? Uh, I, it's funny because I don't even think of it as research because I just curb it mm-hmm. so quickly and, you know, I've done it so many times. 
Sometimes clients take a week to ramp up. Sometimes it takes three weeks. And then I also learn nuances of their personality. They have trouble making a decision or pulling a trigger. And then I, you know, stock that information in my brain and use it later. But after two weeks of engaging with someone, you kind of have a sense of their personality. Are they abrupt? Do they always use polite words? Do they always soften things? Do they always ask questions? Do they make a suggestion or do they just state it in bold with an exclamation point? That's really interesting because I, you know, when I was writing for clients or I had to write a white paper or that landing page, there were some situations where it was a phone call. It was a 20, 30 minute phone call. And, you know, the contact was basically saying, this is what we care about. This is what we want. And we want the page, you know, in an hour or in a week, something like that. Um, and it would always be off, you know, the tone or the approach or something would be completely off. And when you start looking back at everything, you realize it was based off a half hour phone call. What would, how could that have worked? Right. You know, how could, how could we get enough information to be able to make that even, you know, potentially work? Right. Um, you can't. All, and all of my exchanges with the clients during the ramp up phase are all via email. They're all via text. So I'm seeing how they're writing. Mm -hmm. And clients tend to get annoyed with me during the ramp up phase. They're like, can't we just jump on a call? And I'm like, yes, of course, we will jump on a call. I promise you, we will get on a call. I'm like, but we have all this stuff that we need to do first. And I'm using that time as research. You know, I don't call it research, but that's where I see how they write and how they engage and what their tone is. Meredith, I'm getting like, I want to just divert slightly here. I've been getting more and more interested in entrepreneurs and the way they do things. Um, how do you ever considered like creating a paid course so you don't actually get paid for your time you need to create like a one-time course that says here's everything that you need to do um and charge a flat fee for it so you can scale your time and effort yes as a matter of fact i have i am oh, that wasn't I, I didn't even do that on purpose <laughs> <laughs> it might have yeah. it's gonna sound like i was just <laughs> leading leading the audience in <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, you know, as an entrepreneur and as having a business that there's more demand than I can supply, I'm trying to figure out next stages, how to grow it. My issue has been, and I'm sure you've heard this before, when you're really busy and you're just so focused on the client work because it monopolizes all your time, it's hard to then spend time on growing yeah. the business and taking it to the next level. Right. So I am trying to figure out my next steps on doing something like you mentioned or hiring people to sort of do more of the work and so that more people can be serviced as opposed to right now I can only handle so many clients at once. And it feels like, I mean, I, I don't know what it is either, but it uh, it does feel like it's a course or even your own podcast or a show on you. I don't know what it is, but Jess got a point. I mean, it, at some point you can, it's, it stalls because it's just you and it's either you take clients or you market and you can't do right. both and you have to make a choice. I've had people reach out to me from Australia, South America, um, mm -hmm. Europe, like, you know, Eastern Europe to say, Hey, can we bring this? You know, would you be interested in, in working together and we could open up our version in, in another language, which I'm obviously flattered and think it's great. And I was like, Oh, mm -hmm. I'd love to have a Barcelona office. How cool would that be? Um, <laughs> But, you know, if you have any ideas on how to do it or you guys have time to do it, please <laughs> help. I I welcome. I welcome. Jeff, let's oh, do it. Let's go. I'm all stuck up. Today. Francis already assigned me with a, with a project, apparently, that I have to complete. 
<laughs> I don't even know what the timeline is on that. But did you think of doing like a lot of people just do a, like a teachable course, right? Just record it, go through all the main things that you need to know step by step by step, charge a flat fee, like whatever it might be, $297, $497 per course, set it out loose into the world and just let people pay you. That's the first thing yeah, that, that comes to mind for me. Way. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, a lot of people, do. there's another one too that's, Skillshare. And this one's a little bit more interesting because the trainings actually aren't as packaged. I mean, they're not really as produced as it would be for something that you paid a large amount for or a relatively large amount for. Um, It's more like you pay for access to this platform and you go through whatever training course you want. Like there's tons of stuff. There's SEO stuff, content marketing stuff. There's um, there's like how to build vision boards. There's it's, it's everything. And the content producers actually get paid on a per minute basis. So the amount of minutes people watch their content, they'll get paid accordingly. And there's people that get paid, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for producing these courses. They get really, really popular and the very best courses in that little niche, um, get paid the most because they get, they pop up near the top of the search results just because they are so damn popular. So that's a different model of just getting something out there. Kind of similar like what you described when you first created your page was let's just get something live and see if it hits. Right. This this was more of a course for that. It's just like get something up. Let's not polish the hell out of it and, and turn in a A plus 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 project. Let's turn in like a proof of concept, you know, minimal viable product, see if there's interest. And if there is interest, you'll start getting hits and then you'll just start getting paid passively. You get it up once and people just keep paying you. You know, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I feel like that's a good idea from Jeff and it's, I'm surprised that it's coming out. Wow. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sign me up. I should hire someone to do all this for me. So if you know anyone, send them my way, please. Honestly, (laughs) the correlation that we made at this podcast about, um, you know, website UX and businesses putting their best foot forward and how that relates back to dating, um, I think could work really well on one of those Skillshare sort of videos um, because it's something people can relate to. And it's kind of that like, right, that is kind of connected. Why didn't I think about that with my website? Because um, exactly what you said, everything you put out there has to be out there for a reason to engage. And if they're not doing that, you know, they're missing out on all this opportunity. Yep. And it's all about opportunity because if you don't have any opportunity, then how are you going to meet someone? Exactly. Exactly. Why you have to market yourself. It's not, it's not disingenuous. You're not lying. You're not saying you're six foot four when you're really five feet. Oh, that hits home. Well, no, people. (laughs) I've got a couple short guys on this podcast, Meredith. (laughs) No, no, no. Listen, I, well, if you don't know this about me, but I will have clients who come to me and they say, you know, height requirement as we're putting in the filter. Oh, I won't date anyone under five, seven. I'm like, why not? How tall are you? Aren't you five foot one? Like, (laughs) you want to include more people. The bigger your range, the more people can come in to your feed and the more people you can see. I find it annoying when someone won't go out with someone because of height. In fact, one of my closest friends who I set up with her husband, she would only date like over 6'2 for years. Oh, I can't go out with him. You know, we know I have a thing about height. He's shorter than 6'2. Anyway, her husband's like 5'8. You know, I had to twist her arm to get her to go out with him. You know, and now she's like, funny. She's like, why was I so silly about height? I'm like, I don't know. But you know what? Thank goodness we're past it. Um, yeah. 
I, I got on, uh, that's funny. I, I got on dating apps, uh, when they were new back in, I guess that would be the match.com era. Yeah. Um, been off for quite some time now, but it turned me off of them because I would go, when I go to a profile, it would say things like under six foot need not apply. And like kind of saying things like that. I'm like, Whoa, man, that is really, really rude. It's rude. But you know what? They're coming across as rude. And when someone comes to me with something like that, I'm like, you can't say that. Right. And then I edit it. They're like, I didn't think it was a big deal. I'm like, it is a big deal. That's not nice. You know, you have to set a good example and lead with karma. And if you want people to be kind to you, you got to put kindness out there. And that's not kind. But in terms of the height and dating, um, I've had clients who say to me, oh, you know, he said that he was 5'11 and I showed up on the date and we were eye to eye, you know, 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, I mean, you just, you can't lie about that, right? If if you're that height, you know, maybe someone will fudge it, you know, an inch, mm. an inch and a half, but you can't, you can't add a foot on because <laughs> then when you show up on the date, the person's like, well, you're such a liar, Right. And then it sets the tone of negativity. And that person's not even going to give you a chance because all they're thinking is, you're a liar. I'm out of here. Not to mention, it's like, how do they think they're not going to find out? You know, that's not like, <laughs> that's not like something like, the same like, thing. It's not like lying about your favorite color, you know, or like, yeah. um, or that you you don't like something that they may never find out. That's, like, <laughs> that's about as clear a lie as you're ever going to get. I don't know what, like, what goes through your head when, when you lie about something like that. People do that. I mean, people, I've seen people, not not my clients, obviously, but there was this one guy, a client, I kept seeing him on a bunch of the apps and he, for each app, he listed a different job and a different school. And I am someone who just naturally pays attention to detail. And I was like, oh, that's the same guy. I'm like, interesting. Here he went to Harvard. Here he went to UMass. I was like, does he have a twin brother who's identical? No, it was the mm. same guy. You know, here, here he was a doctor. Here he was an accountant. You know, maybe he was trying yeah. to see like what got him the best results. Right. But for me is yeah. I defined him as a liar, right? So none of my clients were ever going to go out with him. I mean, if you think about it, social media and dating apps is the perfect platform for pathological liars. I mean, you can get away. You can go so yeah, much further yeah. without getting caught, right? Get caught. No, you're wrong. You get caught because here's what happened. It, what happens, you know, if you have someone who's exercising good judgment, I mean, there is a small portion of the population who unfortunately doesn't exercise good judgment and then they get themselves in trouble. But let's just take your, you know, middle of the road, average dater before they meet, even someone who's not working with me, typically they're going to get a last name or they're going to get a cell and they're going to plug it into Google. And so if you don't have a last name and you put the cell into Google, well, then you get your last name. And then you take that name and you do a Google search and you put it into LinkedIn and you're trying to see if it matches up. If the person said that they work in you know, marketing at American Express, that's going to come up on their LinkedIn page. If it doesn't and they don't have a LinkedIn page in 2019 or it says that they you know, live in another city or there's a history of you know, battery or 16 arrests, whatever it is. You can't get away with lying because there's too much of a paper trail electronically. Like 2019 technologically works in the dater's favor because if you plug something into Google, it is magic. Did you ever – yeah, I'm, I'm partially responsible for that. I'll take a little bit. Um, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> um, 
Okay. Did you ever read about that story of that serial Dine and Dasher guy that was going on dates with women? Yeah. Oh my God. Can you believe that? So if the audience doesn't know, this guy um, finally got caught. Thank God. This guy was planning these dates with women and taking them to the best restaurants. I think it was in the LA area, like to the very best restaurants, really, really expensive. And he would order like two of the, the prime, the, like the most expensive meal on the menu. And then just like feign a phone call or go to the bathroom and disappear with his second meal and just bail on him. And he would dine and dash on the restaurant and on the woman. And then the restaurant was looking to the woman like, Hey, you're, you gotta pay for your partner or what? And it puts them in the hot seat. And he did this like 10 or 12 times. I think it was on Tinder actually that he was hooking up with people. And, um, he finally got caught and I think he racked up a bill of, uh, over a thousand dollars. It was maybe in the neighborhood of like $1,500 of free meals that he'd for, for like, isn't that horrible? I mean, it's it's funny on one hand, but it's also horrible on the other. It's just like a what? How does this happen in these? It's horrible. But so this sort of goes to good judgment. I would never let any of my clients go on a first date for a dinner. You know, you gotta suss someone out. You gotta assess if they're worthy of a meal. You just meet them for a coffee or a drink so that you're not left. I mean, if you show up at a bar and the person you're sitting next to is like, can I get a bottle of your finest champagne, right? That's a red flag. That's a little odd for a Tuesday night at 7 o'clock upon first meeting someone and there's nothing to celebrate. Um, so no, no one should go out to dinner unless you know that you want to sit through a two-hour meal with someone. Drinks. Drink, coffee, you're in and out in 45 minutes. It's a meet and greet. That makes sense. It makes it so. It seems so simple, but it it makes complete sense. Yes, and that way you don't put yourself in a position for a dine and dash. Although yeah. the guy who was dining and dashing does not sound like a gem. You know, he should not have done that. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I think we should. Re- I know we're up against time, but Meredith, thank you so much. This was illuminating. I I was already interested in like when what you did and how it led to voice. I did not expect us to make the parallels between this and website UX and, and even much of Jeff's job. And I think you, you know, Jeff's got to approach his job a little differently now. Um, I think we should have. <laughs> Meredith, this has been, this has been the funnest podcast I've had. I mean, this is, oh, I'm not even, this is, we, we've done in the ballpark of like, I don't know, 40, 40 plus, something like that. So this is easily the most fun. And I'm thinking we might need to change our direction. Yeah. If we can tie things back to business in a little way, I think we need to do more of these. We're like inspired to do more of these types of conversations. This is super fun. Thank you. I think we should have Meredith back and like give her some of the bad websites we're talking about, Jeff, and just have her rate them as if they were potential daters. I think that'd be fun too. Done. Happy to do anytime. <laughs> well, you're writing the hardest copy there is to write. You're writing copy to get people to be intimate with one another, right? And we're just trying to write copy to get people to spend money. I mean, <laughs> you can yeah, on cable, you can do that. Cable. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, Meredith, before we go, I want you to be able to plug um, your Instagram. Is that right? Sure. My Instagram is Golden, M-E-R-G-O-L-D-E-N. And my website, if anyone is interested, is SpoonMeatSpoon.com. Perfect. And as Jeff said, we'll have that in the show notes, right? Yep. We'll send that out in the show notes. Um, You'll be able to access both of those things once that goes live. All right. Well, thank you again. Thanks, Meredith. Thank you.